Welcome to the Legislate podcast, a place to learn about the latest insights and trends in property, technology, business building and contract drafting. Today, I'm excited to have Charlie Rosier on the show, co-founder and CEO of Babu, the world's first digital nursery. Babu is an educational technology platform aimed at parents and carers of children between zero and five years. Charlie, welcome to the show. Would you like to introduce yourself and share a bit of background about Babu? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. You've basically just done my intro for me. But to expand on that a little bit, I am a mother of one. She's four. And it was really my daughter that got me into early years education. So being self-employed now for nearly 14 years, when I had a child, it was the first time I even obviously had to think about childcare. And in doing so, quickly realised the cost of it and also the issues around flexibility in the UK childcare system. So just decided to open up my own nurse, which I did. And that was fantastic because we had a nursery with a co-working space, which allowed parents to bring their children from as little as six weeks old. And they could really be involved in their child's life as well as focus on their career. So the whole idea was that you don't have to sacrifice one for the other. But long story short, that business has evolved now into being a digital nursery, as you mentioned. So the idea is we give parents the tools and resources to run a nursery from anywhere. Um, and really the, the big problem, um, as I see it, is that the majority of children under three years old do not attend a formal childcare setting, so do not have the benefit of structured learning and development opportunities in the early years. And yet those first few years of a child's life are the most important for setting the foundations for, for future success. So yeah, that's the long way around of how we came to, to starting Babu. That's a, a fascinating story. And not a problem that I can relate to yet, but I hopefully uh, will one day. So in, in, in this year, what's been your favourite moments? There have been so many and it is tough, as you well know, being a, a founder and a CEO and building a business from scratch. It's long hours and can be very lonely, but there have been some amazing things that have happened this year and some big things which makes that battle worth it, if you like. One of them was we were shortlisted for Tech for Impact Award at London Tech Week. I actually did a podcast with Tom Bloomfield, who was the co-founder and CEO of Monzo, which was great and super insightful. We are in January starting London and Partners Accelerator, which is specifically focused on impact businesses aligned with the UN Sustainable Development Goals. And the list goes on of high level things that we've achieved and accolades. But I guess the best bit on a day to day basis is really working alongside uh, Jane, who is my head of education and who I've known for five years and creating all the content for the platform. She's amazing, a total natural in front of the camera and seeing her play and interact with children is super heartwarming and one of the best bits of my job, I think. That's great. If I was a Babu user, what type of content could I expect to find on the platform and how would I interact with it? So the um, app is currently modelled as a subscription base for a small cost per month, a fraction of nursery fees. You get delivered tailored content for both you and your child. The content for the child is activities that you can do at home using resources around the house and based on the EYFS which is the UK's curriculum for children under five. So it covers seven areas of learning. But what's really smart and what I think is one of our best features is the fact that the content is really personalised. And the more you engage with the app, the better that content becomes because it learns from you and, and learns about your child as you go. And then there's content as well 
and a kind of community of experts. So anything from sleep and nutrition through to mental health, behavior difficulties, autism. So a parent or user can, can call an expert. So part of it is making early years education accessible and the other part of it is making advice, expertise accessible because again, it's very challenging to navigate things like the NHS when you have a, a concern about your child's development, be it speech and language or, or other issues. Yeah, so and that, that's how it works, simple. Great, simple is essential today. You, you've been self-employed for quite a long time but started Babu more recently. What do you wish you'd known for starting Babu. You're absolutely right. This is not my kind of first rodeo. This is actually my fourth business for my sins. And I should know that there are never enough hours in the day, especially when you have a young child at home. I really do struggle with the time it takes. And maybe it's because I'm a very impatient person or maybe it just takes time to build a robust piece of, of software. But yeah, I wish I had more time. <laughs> I, I definitely can relate to that problem. Building robust software is really difficult, especially if you are building a consumer-facing app where everyone has a different phone, different device connected to a different internet connection, then there'll always be lots of surprises that you just need to react quickly to. Absolutely. So yeah, where do you see yourself and, and Babu in, in three to five years? What's the long-term vision our vision is evolving over time or certainly has evolved over the last 12 months our mission has remained the same which is very much to democratize access to early years education but the vision for the platform has changed as i mentioned so the name babu actually comes from a nickname i used to call my daughter which was my little babu but actually we also like the sound of baby and you or the play on words and as i said it's evolved in the last 12 months to be less not less about the child, but more about both of you, baby and you, um, and supporting the parent on that journey uh, over the first five years, as well as the child. And I guess our vision, kind of high level, is really what Headspace has done for mental health and making that accessible and understandable. We really want to do for early years education. That's a, a great mission. In your many years of being an entrepreneur, I imagine you've interacted with uh, legal and contracts quite a bit. Today, what are the key contracts that you interact with the most frequently? So actually, I did my undergraduate in law. So you'd think that I would find it easier than others. But as I mentioned to you just before we jumped onto this podcast, it's a real cost that sometimes feels unnecessary in a startup world. You only have raised so much money and there's so much you want to do with it. And most of all, it's kind of growing the business and acquiring customers or building out the team or investing into your technology. And the legal stuff just sometimes feels a cost that you could circumnavigate. There is so much available online kind of template this template that but I've definitely made the error in the past of relying on those and and got into trouble with it I'm investing in lawyers this time around and it, generally I'm trying to do everything a bit better than I've done it in previous businesses but I guess for me at the moment the main ones I'm involved in are the shareholders agreements our contracts with the experts on our platform and also SLA so service level agreements with our various third-party providers, be it the tech development team or others that we interact with on a daily basis. I've been fortunate to start Legislate with a solicitor, but I can definitely relate to at the previous startup where I worked for using templates. And even if you use a template which has been approved by a solicitor, if, if it was approved a couple of years ago, it might already be too late. With with those, those templates that you work with or the contract that you work with now, are there any common patterns or areas of friction that you still face today, even with solicitors or um, with whatever tools that you're using that 
you, you would want to overcome or are there any general insights that you can share uh, with the community? Yeah, I had feedback from somebody this morning on a contract and their first point in their email was, please, can you ask a solicitor to provide a red line document so we can track changes because I'm having to look at one previous agreement and look at the other one to see whether something else has been slipped in. And I guess that's one obvious one that oh, everyone should do. But the other thing is, I think, tracking key clauses within a contract and seeing how each relates to each other and how something at one level can have a knock-on effect on another clause later in the contract. It's funny you mentioned connecting clauses together because fundamental to legislate's approach is to connect the clauses together with a knowledge graph, which is the same way that Google connects the information on the web and can infer relationships by modeling concepts. So at legislate, what we're trying to do, model clauses and say these clauses are connected, but also then say these clauses are compatible with each other or these clauses aren't, so that no matter what contract you end up with on legislate, it makes sense both from a logical and legal perspective because we know how things are connected so that there can't be any inconsistencies between the clauses. And we don't leave in red lines simply because they're not easy to read and our target audience aren't lawyers. Yeah. But we keep track of changes with a, a, a ledger of all changes effectively. So luckily I haven't seen red lines in, in a long time. We've already taking a lot of your time. So I'm going to ask you the closing question we ask all our guests. If you were being sent a contract to sign today, what would impress you? That's a tricky one. I guess the main way that I get sent contracts is when they're ready for signatures, obviously via DocuSign. Otherwise they just go to and fro on email. I guess as, I, as to the previous point, if there was a platform where you could easily have all parties commenting within the platform on the document rather than in a long email chain, um, and see those changes in real life and track them and understand, as you say, how they interact with each other. That would be really great. And obviously, if it was cost efficient, that would obviously be perfect. It sounds like you've described Legislate. What's my so, podcast discount? Thank you very much, Charlie, for being on the show and uh, best of luck growing Babu. Thank you so much and have a wonderful Christmas and, uh, and best of luck for your business next year. You too. Goodbye. Yeah. Bye.